This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am once again joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, Nathan Yonke, to recap the first week of the fantasy football playoffs. Nate, we had some great fantasy football performances from some of our stars and some absolute duds as well. So the smoke is about settled here on the first week of the fantasy playoffs. How are you feeling following, following our first 15 of 16 fantasy playoff games? Uh, feeling pretty good. How fun Saturday having three games in a row, all single games, all competitive against teams with are at least fighting for the playoff spots. And then yesterday, another good game. Uh, Scott Fishbowl, probably the biggest league that I am still in. And I will hopefully survive Josh Allen completing seven passes total in his win and Dalton Kincaid not catching any of them. So uh, hopefully I will survive that. I did have Zamir White starting in that league, and Zamir White did Zamir White things. So was happy about that, but uh, should be in good shape most of the time. But tonight will be interesting with both quarterbacks potentially hurting, potentially not playing. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, yeah, still no clarity on what's going to happen tonight. Uh, Jalen Hurts, obviously, yeah, dealing with that, that illness of some sort. So he, he's questionable. Geno Smith, questionable. We could very well be getting Drew Locke versus Marcus Mariota tonight. Um, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, playing against uh, Jalen Hurts in, in one league here where I'm fighting. So I went ahead and picked up uh, Marcus Mariota just to block that uh, potential uh, chance as well. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, um, yeah, I'm excited to get into the takeaways here. Um, again, not necessarily going game by game, but instead we're going to focus on the top takeaways from this weekend's games as usual. Um, Nate does have the takeaways from every single game up on PFF.com, including Saturday's game. So if there is something you want to hear more about that we did not cover today, um, you can have head over to pff.com and find out all of this week's takeaways there for free. Um, all right, before we get into it, let's give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. As a parent, you've had to learn many new skills to provide for your family, how to do copious amounts of laundry, meal plan for even the pickiest eater, and now how to protect your family's financial future. Fabric by Gerber Life provides an easy one-stop shop for your family's financial needs, offering a high-quality term life insurance policies plus other financial solutions in one easy online hub. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your... Um, that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Nate, let's get it going here. And it only feels right that we start off our takeaways from week 15 with a backfield that 
we've had questions about and and have had and have been talking about all offseason and all season long it's the Pittsburgh Steelers who were led by Jalen Warren's 40 rushing yards um meanwhile Najee Harris finishes with 1.3 fantasy points is one of those absolute duds that I referenced earlier but at least Warren added in some receiving production Nate so what did the Steelers backfield splits look like this week uh, yeah, this was the most extreme we have ever seen it in Jalen Warren's favor. Um, we had seen a couple weeks ago where he was, um, he's been one of the best receiving running backs all season, last season as well. But in the run game a couple weeks ago, he put up those two back-to-back games, 230 yards, two touchdowns on 24 carries, and then Matt Canada was fired. There were at least reports that Warren would get more involved in the offense after the firing, and that really wasn't happening the couple weeks afterwards, but this seemed like a big change in the opposite direction. Um, the backfield looked pretty normal for most of the game, but then once uh, Pittsburgh fell behind to Indianapolis in the second half, they really kind of abandoned Harris and kept Warren on the field in passing situations. So he was playing roughly twice as many snaps as Harris did in this game, which is something we have not seen in any game in the backfield. And I know some of it was definitely game script related because Pittsburgh was down. They're having their receiving back on the field more often, but they have been down in other games and we have not seen this extreme of a split before. So it's probably a good sign for Warren, although we've only got a couple of games left in this season and we could very well be back to having these two backs next season and anything is possible for how those snaps will be split, depending on who's the offensive coordinator at that point of time. Yeah, it did definitely. I mean, for fantasy managers that survived Najee Harris um, this week, it's going to be tough to to start him. I mean, like you said, this was this wasn't even close as far as playing time goes. Warren playing sixty nine percent of the snaps. Najee Harris season low thirty four percent of the snaps. That's definitely uh, concerning there. So becomes pretty risky here um, going forward. And then you had Mitchell Trubisky even uh, stealing a touchdown there as well. So um, yeah, not sure I would feel comfortable starting Najee Harris if you got better options going forward. Um, all right, on to another player who let us down in a big way this week. Uh, Saquon Barkley doesn't even crack six PPR fantasy points this week um, in a terribly ineffective game. But it isn't just on him, Nate. He didn't have quite the role that he's had in previous weeks either. Uh, yeah, this is, it's weird having written all those five to add, five to drop, five to buy low, five to sell high, where I was looking ahead to the fantasy playoffs and saying, hey, you should sell this person because of what's going to happen in a month from now. And now we're at that month from now. And Barkley was one of those players where the schedule looked pretty brutal. And it, this was a worry that I had at the start of the season that he might lose that receiving down role, which is what finally happened in this game. He only played half of the offensive snaps, which is much lower than we're used to him playing. Um, and a big thing was the receiving down work. And this was happening at the start of the game. It wasn't just game script related where, yeah, the Giants ended up losing by a lot, but they were still within a touchdown for most of this game. And it was the very first drive that he was basically splitting work with Matt Breida. Um, Breida taking a lot of the passing down work, third downs, and a little bit more on early downs as well. And then once we got far enough into the game and the Giants were behind, they really turned to the rookie Eric Gray. Uh, Gray came into the league as a receiving back, so I thought Gray might become the receiving back for this team this season, which hasn't happened, but uh, he did spend some time on injured reserve, and then Gray really kind of took over at the end of the game. So 
Uh, Barkley was left with nine carries for 14 yards, completely ineffective in the run game. Um, caught two passes for 23 yards, but this was the first game where he, in his career, that he was held to 11 or fewer touches in a game where he played at least half of the snaps. So other games he, where he got injured, he had fewer touches, but this was the first one where he had so few and he played and ended the game. So not a good sign for Barkley. They end the season against the Philadelphia Eagles, against the Los Angeles Rams, uh, two teams that are fighting for either playoff positions or playoff spots. So um, I could very well see the Giants falling behind again in those games. They both have pretty good run defenses, and um, we could see a lot of their receiving backs again that week, especially as the Giants. I don't think they are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs yet, but they are very close to it. Yeah, pretty close for sure. Doesn't look uh, likely for them. And yeah, they're just, again, another player that if you survived, it's going to be so hard to start him. I mean, 50% of the snaps for Saquon Barkley, his worst rushing share since week one, smallest target share of the year. Ugh, it is, uh, it's going to be tough next week um, for, for starting lineups if you have to choose with guys like Barkley and, and Najee Harris. And um, yeah, potentially this next guy as well. Uh, so next up on the list here of key takeaways, um, is it a stud or, or is it a dud? Well, keeping with the theme here, it is unfortunately another dud and another big one here because it's Bijan Robinson where in typical Arthur Smith fashion, just when we felt comfortable starting Bijan without having to look over our shoulder for Tyler Algier or whoever else might steal playing time and touches away, uh, he waited until the fantasy playoffs to make sure an egg was laid. And part of it was on Bijan because he, he fumbled as well. But Nate, the problems started even prior to that lost fumble. Uh, definitely. We had been talking about him before because he was seeing the most snaps that he had ever seen in a Falcons victory uh, in a Falcons defeat. He was still seeing over 75% of snaps. And in this game, his playing time just plummeted. It was the worst that it's been all season long outside of the game where uh, he had a headache and missed almost the entire game. And this was Tyler Algier taking a lot of the work. Uh, this, again, was happening very early in the game as well. On uh, the very first drive, uh, Robinson and Algier were both running the ball a couple times each. And Robinson was really ineffective running the ball most of the game. And then he lost the fumble um, in, late in the third quarter. Didn't touch the ball again, although he was on the field a decent amount over the rest of the game. So it wasn't like some other situations where you see a running back get completely benched after a fumble. He just uh, didn't receive any carries or targets in the fourth quarter. So um, this was a pretty big decline in snaps. The difference here between Atlanta and the other teams is we've seen Atlanta switch what they're doing from one week to another all the time. So I am still probably trusting Robinson, especially in these next two matchups against Indianapolis and Chicago, uh, both teams that have allowed plenty of fantasy points to running backs this season, uh, both teams where Atlanta should at least be competitive, if not have a lead in those games. So Atlanta should be able to stick with the run game. So if anything, yeah, I'm starting Robinson and feeling a lot worse about starting Robinson because it'll be really risky. But I'm even considering Tyler Algier in those matchups because if Atlanta's running the ball enough, then both running backs are going to see plenty of carries in the game and could be pretty efficient running against both the Colts and the Bears defenses. Man. 
Yeah, Tyler Algier. Yeah, 14 carries um, for 45 yards. Got a catch in there as well. Robinson, he, he did get one um, snap in, in goal-to-go situations, but uh, he was out there to be a lead blocker for Cordell Patterson's um, pop pass touchdown that he that he had. So, yeah, not, uh, not feeling comfortable about starting him, but uh, like you said, there's at least potential there um, if they're going to run the ball a lot and, and in decent matchups as well. So, um, all right, let's take a quick pivot away from the negatives for our fantasy running backs and, and talk about a somewhat positive one here because we saw Aaron Jones return to the lineup for the first time uh, since week 11, and it was seemingly going to be good timing since A.J. Dillon was not available for this game. Uh, Jones ran the ball 13 times for 53 yards, added four catches for 16 yards. So, Nate, what did the splits look like for Jones here in his return to the lineup? Uh, yeah, this was an interesting one. We had a lot of teams where either running backs were injured and out this week or running backs returning from injury. Um, a lot of them were really straightforward how the backfield was split, like Ty Chandler just took the vast majority of snaps for Minnesota, so not covering some of those situations here. You can read them in the big recap, but a situation like this for the Packers, we saw Aaron Jones return to the lineup, but we also saw A.J. Dillon miss this game due to injury. So it was pretty interesting that Aaron Jones basically took the role that Dillon's been playing these last couple weeks. Uh, Jones was the clear early down back and goal line back where Patrick Taylor remained the third down back and the two minute drill back. Um, this is interesting considering Jones for the past several years uh, has been the Packers lead receiving running back. So the fact that they thought Jones would be better for early downs in this game and then not play uh, much at all in passing situations was a little surprising to me. Um, Kenny and Drake also uh, signed off the practice squad for this game. Uh, he's spent time with Indianapolis, Baltimore, and Cleveland over the past five months, so he's been uh, traveling quite a bit, but uh, he was elevated and was able to take a couple of snaps for the Packers. I had one carry for no gain, so he also got involved. Um, I'm not sure how much I'll be trusting the Packers backfield over these next couple of weeks, especially if Dylan is back, because I'm not sure how exactly the snaps will be split between the two running backs or if Patrick Taylor even remains involved in this backfield since I wouldn't be surprised if they're starting to look a little ahead to 2024 with the backfield. Um, it was surprising early in the season when they were part of Jonathan Taylor trade rumors. It seems like they hadn't been happy with their running backs considering uh, Jones and Dylan were both among the highest graded running backs over the past couple of years. It's been surprising, but neither running back has played quite up to expectations this year. Uh, Dylan's our free agent at the end of the year. Jones will be turning or is 29, I believe, and could be released. So we could see a very different Packers backfield next season. There's so many free agent running backs, uh, Saquon Barkley included. So um, we'll see a lot of musical chairs at running back potentially this off season, which will be interesting. But I think the Packers could be one of those landing spots where they could be looking to sign a veteran player to go along with all of their young receivers and young quarterback. Yeah, makes sense. And I guess like, going forward like next week specifically for for Aaron Jones the only thing that I guess I feel like slightly optimistic is that you know even playing half the offensive snaps here this week we did see them kind of ease him in previously coming off injury I think it was maybe week seven or so so do wonder if maybe he does get a slight increase next week as he's you know another week healthier kind of thing especially if AJ Dillon is out again but like you said there there are some uh some splits here to at least be a little bit concerned about and hesitant about but we'll see how things go next weekend if aj Dillon is healthy or not um 
All right, let's get uh, let's get the dud train back on track here and talk about the Jets and their backfield where Brees Hall doesn't even crack three PPR fantasy points this week. And it wasn't because Dalvin Cook was more involved as he was in previous weeks. But now uh, there's a new challenger to contend with, as we saw uh, rookie Izzy Abenakanda work in there uh, more than Brees Hall managers are going to be comfortable with uh, Nate. Oh, uh, yeah, this was the first time we really saw Bonaconda get significant action. Um, he had been inactive for most of the season, uh, and then Michael Carter was released. This allowed Brees Hall to get more work on passing downs and Dalvin Cook to get more work on rushing downs. But Cook's been uh, fairly ineffective rushing the ball the past couple weeks, so uh, I think he only ended up with one carry in this game. The start of the game looked like it recent weeks with Cook and Hall uh, getting their usual split, but really late in the game, they turned almost the entire second half over to Bonaconda. Um, Hall took the first three snaps on the first drive, only took two more snaps over the rest of the game. Cook did not see a single snap in the second half. Um, the Jets were down significantly in this game, and now they are at a point where they are eliminated from playoff contention. So now that they are looking ahead to next season, I would not be at all surprised if Abani Kanda remains decently involved in this backfield um, just to see what he can do so they know if he should be part of the rotation next year or not, if Dalvin Cook should remain on the roster or not, if they have Abani Kanda who can uh, do good things for them. So I think it'll be pretty hard to trust the Jets running backs in general over these next two weeks because we could see them completely change what they've been doing. They have had a youth movement at wide receiver. They've had a youth movement at tight end. Uh, we could see it again at running back. And even though Brees Hall is a young running back, um, he has played a lot this season and they could want to give him some rest and just see what a Bonaconda can do. So would be pretty concerned about the Jets backfield in general these next two weeks. Yeah, makes sense. And then, like you said, we kind of saw that already in this game, right? And the team was down 24 nothing, I think, at halftime. So definitely possible they felt the need to kind of shake things up there in the backfield. And, and with the season done now, essentially, they're not, they're not going to make the playoffs. It, it feels like we could absolutely see some more usage there for uh, the, the the rookie of Benaconda and, and maybe some scaled back usage for Brees Hall, unfortunately. So definitely um, concerning there. Um, all right, one more running back situation to look at here. It's the Washington Commanders, who definitely looked a little different here without Brian Robinson in the lineup. We'd figure we figured we'd see more Antonio Gibson with Robinson out, which we kind of did, but we also saw quite a bit of rookie Chris Rodriguez, Nate. Uh, yeah, even Jonathan Williams was getting involved in the backfield as well. Uh, this top 10 recap, yeah, it's a lot of the interesting things that happened in the week, but sometimes it's also just here are the things that got wrong, and I thought Antonio Gibson would be pretty much an every down back for Washington, and that very much was not the case in this game. Um, Gibson has basically spent the entire season as the third down back, the two-minute drill back where Robinson's been the early down back, the goal line back. And we saw Gibson pretty much abandon that third down role in order to take over as the early down back for Washington, except he didn't have the usual role that Robinson had because Chris Rodriguez um, was the backup early down back, but also the goal line back took almost all of the goal line situations, which is surprising considering how much Gibson earlier in his career uh, had found success at the goal line. So that was a bit surprising to me. Uh, Rodriguez ended up leading the team in carries and then Gibson at least continued to play in two-minute drills, but it was pretty consistently Jonathan Williams 
in for third down. So um, this went from a two-man backfield to a three-man backfield with Robinson out, which was surprising. Uh, if you just looked at Gibson's stat line in isolation without knowing what happened in this game, you wouldn't even have noticed that Robinson didn't play in the game because Gibson only ran the ball four times, which is pretty consistent with what he's been doing, typically a little less than four carries, but one extra carry wouldn't have surprised anyone. And then he was still involved in the passing game a lot, even though he didn't play on third downs, I think had five or six receptions in this game. So um, it's a situation where even if Robinson misses more time, not trusting any of these running backs, the matchups also are not great over these next two weeks. So um, probably fine to uh, not trust Gibson. And then we'll see what happens over the off season. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a different backfield for Washington next year. Yeah, I think uh, I think that makes perfect sense. And yeah, I was with you. I thought we'd maybe see some more Antonio Gibson this week as well. Especially, you know, we saw him more involved um, in week what thirteen when when Brian Robinson got injured, right? And he actually played less than that. So um, did yeah, got you know a fair bit of um, you know receiving work and two minute drills. But yeah, it's just it, there's just not enough there to, to trust these guys here. Unfortunately, if Brian Robinson misses uh, another game. Um, all right, quick ad break here from DraftKings. NFL fans, it's time to unwrap nonstop football action. This holiday season, throw down on big matchups with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just 5 bucks on NFL and score 150 instantly in bonus bets. So uh, going into tonight, there, there's a few props up available. And I went with DeAndre Swift over 57 and a half rushing yards. I know he's been down a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm betting on a bounce back game here for DeAndre Swift, who we should see get a slightly better game script than what he's dealt with over the past few weeks going against the Bills, 49ers, and Cowboys. Um, Philadelphia only ran the ball 24.3 times per game over those last three, which ranked 23rd in the NFL, uh, despite previously being a top five team in rush attempts prior to that. So Philadelphia O-line as well, uh, third in the NFL in run blocking grade. Seattle's defensive line is 26th in run defensive grade. Um, DeAndre Swift, I'm thinking, should get more touches this week. He's averaging 6.2 yards per carry when given at least one yard before contact per attempt. So betting on the bounce back game here for uh, DeAndre Swift. How about you? I will also go with a bet that involves the Eagles probably leading in this game, and that is Jackson Smith and Ujigba, over 42.5 receiving yards. Um, this is, interestingly, the game where that features the two teams that have allowed the most receiving yards to slot receivers so far this season and by a pretty decent margin. So uh, slot receivers for both teams should be playing pretty well. I expect Seattle to be an 11 personnel for a lot of this game playing from behind. So Smith should see plenty of playing time. And I think he should be able to take advantage of this matchup against Philadelphia in a game where Seattle should need to pass the ball a lot. And it's one where I kind of trust it regardless of who ends up being the quarterback for Seattle. Nice. Like it. Um, so yeah, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now with code PFF. New customers can bet $5 on NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PFF. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, let's pick things up with our lone wide receiver takeaway for this week. And it's thankfully a positive one coming from Saturday night's game. Former 12th overall pick, Jamison Williams, who has never exceeded two touches in an NFL game since he entered the league uh, last year, finally breaks that ceiling and finds himself with seven targets for four catches, 47 yards, and eight. Uh, this was great to see. So hopefully it also means that his overall playing time also increased. Uh, yes, we have seen his playing time increase again this week. Um, we've talked about him before for his playing time generally increasing, and it's generally just gotten better each and every week. Yeah, there's been a couple weeks throughout his career that have uh, gone down rather than up, but the general trend over these past two seasons when he's been available has been an upward trend, which is good to see. And like you said, he was getting more involved in the offense. Um, only had one other game this season with uh, more than three targets and that was a game where he had six targets and no receptions but it was pretty early on that he was getting involved um ended up with a couple catches in this game which uh, career high because of that in terms of receptions which was good to see a uh, career high in terms of playing time and a lot of this uh, was because of personnel usage a little bit um playing time hasn't really changed much in 11 personnel he's been pretty consistently seeing around two-thirds of snap in 11 personnel for a while now but he's uh, more consistently been on the field in 12 personnel recently which has been good to see and uh, specifically this week the lions used a little bit of less of uh, 13 personnel 21 personnel uh, both groupings that are typically more run formations but also formations where williams typically isn't on the field as much so um, he was playing even more than this. He was playing 73% of offensive snaps over the first three quarters. Uh, suffered a little bit of an injury to start the fourth quarter. He was able to return to action, but wasn't seeing quite as much playing time over the rest of the fourth quarter. So um, his snaps very well could have been higher in this game had he not suffered that injury. So not someone that I'm still trusting for anything specifically this year, but just good for him to build some momentum for 2024, which could be a breakout year for him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I like that. Um, definitely, yeah, more for looking forward to next year, for sure, giving us some hope there. And yeah, I mean, the, the targets were really nice. 27% um, target rate for him. Obviously, you know, he's going to have that higher average depth of targets. So they're, they're going to be more difficult um, catches to kind of come down with, but has that big play potential as well. So somebody who probably in deeper leagues can be a flex option, but I think for the most part, we're, we're kind of holding here until 2024 with Jameson Williams. Um 
All right, let's talk about some tight ends here, Nate. And we'll, we'll start with one who has been oft injured throughout his career, Darren Waller, who, who hasn't played since week eight uh, with a hamstring injury, gets back in the lineup this week, uh, sees six targets for 40 yards. Um, Waller's back, instilling hope for fantasy managers once again this season. Is there reason to be optimistic here for him going forward? Uh, there generally is because of the targets, but he was fairly limited in his return. Um, played under 50% of snaps. Uh, the Giants stayed in 11 personnel basically the entire game, but Daniel Bellinger still uh, fairly involved in the offense. A bit of it was later in the game when uh, the Giants were playing from behind, but um, we saw the Giants stay in 11 personnel. Bellinger was tending to play a little bit more on early downs. Waller tending to play a little bit more on third downs, which wasn't surprising to see. It was good to see him get so many targets when he was on the field. Um, it'll be really interesting to see the practice report this week to see if he's full participants in practice since the Giants. I'll play the Eagles and the Rams over the next two weeks to fairly good matchups for tight ends so Waller could end up having some pretty big games assuming he is able to stay healthy and uh, seize the field enough so will be really interesting to see that this week to see where I end up ranking him among the tight ends but someone who could be very helpful to fantasy managers down the stretch if he is healthy. Yeah, like you said, the targets were were the nice thing for him. Just 26 snaps, um, so 42% of the offensive snaps for him this week. But you got to figure if he's healthier, maybe potentially works in a little bit more um, slowly over the weeks ahead. I don't imagine he's going to be playing, you know, like 80% of the running, 80% of the routes or or of the snaps or anything like that. But at least potentially slightly increased role, which again with that target rate could be very nice for him. Um, Okay, another uh, returning tight end is next up on the list. Tyler Higby of the Los Angeles Rams. Missed last week, has had a few decent fantasy performances this season, but last week we saw the rookie uh, Davis Allen be a star. So with Higby back in the lineup, Nate, uh, what did the tight end rotation look like uh, for the Rams this week? Uh, we saw a bit more of a rotation than we're used to, and that really started a couple weeks ago where uh, Hunter Long, the player they traded for uh, in the Jalen Ramsey trade way back when, um, Long spent most of the season on injured reserve to start the year, but really in week 12, he started rotating in a little bit more for Higby than we typically have seen. Uh, Higby played roughly three-fourths of the offensive snaps in that game, which is much lower than we are used to seeing for him. Uh, then in week 13, he suffered his neck injury, which is why his playing time was down, uh, kept him out for week 14. Um, Long is now on injured reserve after an injury he suffered last week. And like you said, uh, Davis Allen had that really good game, uh, or good game for a Rams tight end at the very least over 50 yards and a touchdown, which the first time a Rams tight end had over 50 yards and a touchdown this season. So we saw a bit more of a rotation this week, even than what we saw a couple weeks ago, uh, Higby was rotated out a bit and um, neither tight end had uh, great stats from this game, four receptions for 36 yards. And then Allen had only one target, caught that for 14 yards. And I would not be at all surprised if this is a situation that remains a uh, rotation, not just the rest of this year, but all of next year as well. Uh, Higby will be 31 years old and is still under contract. It's not the easiest contract to cut over the season. Uh, they like what they've seen from Allen recently, and they were liking what they saw from Long before he ended up on injured reserve. So 
this could be a situation where we see a three-man rotation at tight end next year. So something to completely avoid, not just this year, but it could be a situation to avoid next year too. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, Higby, first game back here, 59% route participation, season low for him. He's typically in that 70 to 90% range. Um, so potentially could be more involved next week. But like you said, there is at least that potential for more of a, a rotation here at tight end. So I'm not sure the upside necessarily, you know, garners a, a must start for, for Tyler Higby if he does see those snaps increase. We've only seen a few, like I said, a few strong fantasy performances from him this season um all right last one here it is jake ferguson of the dallas cowboys um he, he's been excellent this season in, in his first year as a starter there's always been kind of concern with, with overall playing time heading into the year and, and for a bit earlier in the year but he's been able to overcome that for the most part so nate what's got uh fergie ferg on the takeaways list this week uh, yeah, he had a decent game this week, six receptions for 44 yards, and the Cowboys lost to the Bills. But the playing time is really what surprised me. He had been fairly consistent these past couple weeks and then saw an uptick in snaps. And the big thing for me here is uh, Peyton Hendershot, who was the receiving backup tight end last season, was playing significant snaps the first three weeks of the season, was consistently playing at least 28 offensive snaps, often in passing situations. Uh, he was on injured reserve for a long time, uh, came back last week uh, just in a limited role, and then his role was even more limited this week. So it was good to see Ferguson. Um, I thought his snaps would be relatively safe and would be consistent, and if anything, would go down a little bit. But in this case, it went up pretty significantly. Um, he's over the past month or so fairly consistently played around 88% of snaps in 11 personnel. But what we saw this week is an increase in snaps in 12 personnel as well as 21 personnel, both snaps where he rotate in and out a lot on, but was playing 100% of those snaps in this game. So good to see in a game where the Cowboys uh, didn't have this big lead like they've had in several other games. They relied on Ferguson even more than they were in other weeks. So um, Ferguson was probably going to be in the top 12 uh, fantasy tight ends over the rest of the season, regardless, as long as he didn't see a significant decrease in playing time. But if anything, it's really good to see that he's getting even more involved, even with the other young tight ends that Dallas has on the roster. Nice. Love that. Yeah. Big fan of Jake Ferguson here. Um, so yeah, good stuff to see there. Um, before we wrap it up, we do have a couple questions here. Um, this first one is about Jackson Smith and Jigba. Is he worth a start at flex? So um, doesn't list who the, who the other options are. So that, that definitely plays a part in it. Nate, I, I know you just talked about Jackson Smith and Jigba and you have your flex rankings up on the site as well. Um, so is this about the range where you have him? Is he in that flex range for you? So, yeah, I think the matchup, like I was mentioning before, is fairly good for him a lot. Depends on who your other options are, but I think in this game with Philadelphia and Seattle, it's pretty clear which players are ahead of him and which players are behind him. So I, if you have him in your flex and don't really have any other options and are just asking if um, you can be hopeful that he's going to have a decent game, I think he can. Nice. Um, another question here. Hurts playing tonight, and if so, does he get over 20? So uh, obviously um, maybe potentially trailing here and hoping for uh, a, a strong performance. So I guess confidence levels that if Jalen Hurts 
does play tonight. We don't know. We haven't got any kind of confirmation or anything just yet. Not that I've seen anyways. Um, do you feel like he can have a, a pretty strong game here against the Seahawks? Where where did you have him ranked among quarterbacks this week? Um, For a while before the illness, I believe I had him at number one and then moved him down a couple of spots because of the illness. But um, my guess is that he's playing. It sounded like things before the game started yesterday were trending towards him playing, but really haven't heard anything over the past 24 hours or so. And it's an illness, so it, there's a chance it got worse. There's a chance that it hasn't gotten worse. Um, we haven't really heard anything, so it's probably good news for the moment. But we'll see what happens. And then if he does play, I think there's a chance he gets over 20, but this could also be a game script where Philadelphia gets a lead and it ends up being one of the running backs scoring early or the defense scoring a touchdown early. They might be able to rely on the running backs. And if they do get a two, three touchdown lead in the second half, they might be a lot quicker to Paul Hurts than they usually would be because of the illness in order to give him some rest. So I think there's definitely some risk there, but as long as Hurts is playing, he's still the quarterback that I would trust by far the most in this game. Yeah, I'm with you. And yeah, hoping that uh, a lot of those touchdowns go to AJ Brown for my own selfish reasons. Um, but we also have a, a question here. Uh, David Ross mentions that he dropped Darren Waller, um, but I think he's okay. He says he also has um, Trey McBride and Isaiah Likely. I figure, you know, even if Darren Waller sees a decent target rate or we see snaps increase, you're still likely having uh, Trey McBride and, and Isaiah Likely ranked ahead of him going forward. Uh, yeah, Darren Waller's no Trey McBride, so the yeah. Cardinals, their <laughs> top three receivers this week were their three tight ends, so I don't think Kyler Murray has any problems throwing to McBride, and especially with Marcus Brown hurting right now, and likely what back-to-back games with 70-plus yards and a touchdown, so uh, even if Waller does have some big games these next couple of weeks, I think he'll be perfectly fine with McBride and likely. There you go, David. Um, yeah, so that is going to do it. Thank you all very much for the questions and and for and for watching and listening. Um, if you are watching on YouTube, feel free to like and subscribe to the channel as well. It does help us a lot. But um, that's going to wrap it up, Nate. Um, much appreciated. Again, thank you to everybody for listening and watching. But that's going to do it for our weekly recap, which is our final weekly fantasy recap of the year um, with next week's Monday recap landing on christmas day uh not exactly great timing for that so this will do it for our 2023 uh recap episodes and again if there was something that you had hoped we would cover from yesterday's games or or even for next week i'm sure nate's going to have the the articles up on pff.com as well where you can find all the information that you're looking for from each and every single game um nate aside from the the recaps and the takeaways what else do you have up on pff.com for folks this week yeah, I do think at least next week, Tuesday, we can try to get a couple recaps in there just because with waivers for the last week of the season, it's if someone you can start week 17, pick him up. If not, don't. So we'll kind of have a hybrid episode next Tuesday. And I will only be writing the top 10 recap. I won't be doing the in-depth recaps. I will be doing a bit more on social media. So follow me on X and blue sky and threads i'll be posting uh snap count stuff and kind of those kind of recaps in all of those places um but we'll have that next tuesday i'm on the website now along with the top 10 recap also have waivers for next week still have a good 20 or so names that i'd consider tried to get players that i'd 
be comfortable uh, picking up either for next week or the following week and players in both bigger leagues and smaller leagues. So still have a decent number of names and we will cover all of those tomorrow on the podcast. Um, we'll have uh, rankings for this week. I'll be putting them up on the website sometime tomorrow and then an article form on Wednesday. I'll still have starts at like usual um write that on wednesday it'll be up on thursday and next week as well we'll have waivers like normal and starts at like normal next week nice love it um again thank you all for tuning in um we appreciate you and uh last but certainly not least a massive shout out to the elite team of pff data collectors who we could not get the best data available in all of football to you without them so can't thank those great guys and gals enough for corrupt a crushing another season uh, these are the real heroes and it's why they are and always will be the best team in the multiverse um we will be back tomorrow uh talking top waiver wire targets good luck with your monday night football matchups tonight we hope you advance to the next round of the fantasy playoffs and until next time peace out